Hey, this is Scott Layseth, the Sporting Chef, and you can catch me on Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome on back to the show. Welcome to the Verbal Shenanigans podcast. That's Mike. You can't see him because we don't really do too many video casts. John Cena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Scott. Welcome to our weekly installment. Mike, is this three weeks in a row we've been on top of our game here? Scott, it's it's amazing. Uh, I I hope we were nominated for Employees of the Month at Verbal Shankins Incorporated because we really brought the game this month. We totally did it. It's odd. I started this thing eight, nine years ago, whatever it is. I still never won the award. Never won. Yeah. Yeah, it's all the like people in finance and the guys down in inventory. It's weird. <laughs> the shipping, never met any of them. The shipping guys always seem to get the uh, get the award. Got a good department w- w- down there. Which is weird because you know you don't ship it to a phone. It just arrives on the phone. So <laughs> I don't know what what we're paying them for. Yeah. Well, welcome on back, uh, Mike. I'm. I guess I was wrong. Your uh, your fills didn't get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, a little disappointing. Like I said, I kind of went into it. I'm like, that was a really tough challenge. It was house money. Um, kind of sucks now. Philadelphia made more history as the first city to lose two championships in one day as the Union lost the MLS Cup. They did. To not, LAFC. Which was a even wild though, game. Yeah, even though they had a lead with maybe two minutes of time left and up a man and the other team had to put in a backup goalie. Yep. All yep. that. It's like, nope, you're Philadelphia. <laughs> Gone. Yeah, that was a pretty cool scene there in uh, in L.A. Um, it's cool to see they, that team is just huge. It's weird. Like, all these other teams are big and growing and the atmosphere looks great. And then, like, the Red Bulls over here, it's kind of like, eh, they, they don't really – they really haven't captured the imagination of the the area. Well, I mean, number one, they put it in not the greatest area in Harrison. I mean, granted, it's off of a a train stop, but like nobody's like, "Ooh, I'm going to spend a whole day in Harrison." Yeah. Number two, they they kind of went with like World Cup thinking of we're going to make the biggest team humanly possible, and at the same time. It just means when you have a game, it's like wow, that's a lot of empty seats in there. Yeah, see, it's not that big though. It's like it's like twenty five thousand, I think max. I think um, so. It's it's not huge. It's not like when they used to play a giant stadium. That was that was bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying they have grand numbers, but like if you look at these new stadiums, most of them stay in like the eighteen, yeah, the lower range, and I also- just figured. Oh, uh, Red Bulls, New York, it's going to happen. And uh, then the league's like, huh, yeah, we're, we're going to put somebody in the real city. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of oversaturation of sports also in uh, in the New York area. There's just, you know, you got two teams in, in almost every sport. It's basically, uh, you know, hockey, you got three teams around. You got two football teams, two baseball teams, two NBA teams. Like, there's just a lot of other options. But. Uh, but it, I see they were like, smart. They only put one WNBA team out there. <laughs> they were smart about that. They they put thought into that. Yeah, I mean, you see, like the LA Stadium, the Seattle, and the Portland stadiums. They're like rocking. Um, it looks it looks like a great vibe out there. But um, 
So, yeah, sorry your Phils didn't get it done. Um, not really that sorry because I did want them to lose. But it wasn't like a rewarding loss because it's like, oh, it's the Astros. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like, oh, thank God the Phils lost. It was kind of like, well, if there was a list of teams I didn't want to win, it's basically the NL East, <laughs> the Yankees, and then the Astros are probably like <laughs> that next uh, <laughs> that next tier. But um, it's okay. It's okay. You'll be back there one day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get Degrom as a parting gift. Or wouldn't be year. wouldn't be surprised. That, that was that would be such a typical Met thing. He's going to go to the Braves, or the Phillies. You're going you're, you're to have our full rotation. You're going to have Syndergaard, Wheeler, and Degrom. <laughs> Degrom starting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I had a um, and something pretty weird happened to me this week. Um, I was driving to a. I left to go to a show on Thursday night down at a Knights of Columbus. You know, that's my wheelhouse, the fundraisers. Um, you know, everybody there is 100 years old. <laughs> there's there's pictures of Jesus behind me. There was a picture of the Pope, and it was all crooked. Uh, <laughs> but The it, Pope or the picture? Uh, the picture. He was, he, was, okay. he was a straight Pope, but it was a crooked picture. <laughs> and I, I would have loved, like, a crooked. That that sounds like a, a weird like Netflix or Amazon Prime show. Crooked Pope. The crooked Pope. <laughs> yeah. He's like taking cutbacks and like getting the grease in the palm. He's like, All right, you know, you're going to heaven. Don't you worry. You know, I, I saw those murders, but the Pope's got your back. I mean, isn't isn't that really what the donations at church are, right? They're just greasing you know, they're just taking your money to you know, you gotta be to to get in to to let St. Peter in. Yeah, I think that's what they really think. Mm. You know, because mm. the minute you stop paying them, then you're not really like a true member of the church anymore. Yeah, like he he sees some girls prostituting, but he throws like a water balloon full of holy water, and he's like, "You're good." <laughs> yeah, Crooked yeah. Pope's got your back. <laughs> Crooked Pope's got you. Um, so the show was exactly what I expected. So that wasn't nothing. There was weird. Um, it was great. Had a good time, but it was on the way to the show. So I leave. Now, the show is about an hour away. So I leave fine Denville, New Jersey, and I get on to 287, which you're you're very familiar with from when you used to live in these parts. And um, it, it's dark, and I notice all of a sudden there's a guy behind me just high-beaming me. And not just like high-beams on, like mm-hmm. high-beams flashing, like, Boom, 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 light, light, light. Okay. Like he's, I'm like, all right, what is this guy's problem? Did I cut him off by mistake? You know, it, it happens. Uh, did I, I don't know. I don't know what I did. So drive in, and now usually the high beams go on, right? Someone high beams you, they they drive around you, they give you the finger, you know, or, or they high beam you for a minute or two. Okay, and then they get their point across, you go, sorry, or you flip the bird, and that's usually the end of said uh, altercation. Or there's an urban legend where you flash them back, and they turn around, and they murder you. Well, that might be, I mean, that, that very well could have happened. Um, so, 10 minutes go by, okay, and I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, he's, I'm, str- I'm starting to change lanes, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, all right, get away from me follows me over you know change lanes to the left follows me over try to slow lane try to slow down he slows down he's just pumping his high beams i'm like okay this is getting really annoying 
So then in my head, I'm like, okay, if I cut this guy off, he would have been, you would think he'd be over it by now. So then I'm thinking in my head, is it somebody I know that's just like, you know, they know it's me and they're just kind of playing around. But then I'm like, all right, if I knew this person at some point, they would have called me or something like the joke would have been over by 10 minute mark. And I'm like, uh, okay. So now that was me. I was, (laughs) I was just shy to call you, you know, I was, I was going to surprise you, but then I'm like, oh, he doesn't like surprises. So I flew back to Georgia. Your, your, your practical joke just didn't work out too too well. You're like, babe, I'm going to go to Jersey, and I'm going to wait till Scott leaves his driveway uh, and just high beam him. This yeah. is a good joke. Yeah, the, the three hours waiting in line in Newark Airport was so worth it. No, <laughs> all I could do was chuckle as they were looking through my luggage. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going down 287, and I get to Route 24, which is the next road going down. So, mm-hmm. thinking the guy's going to leave. Nope, he gets off the exit for Route 24. High-beaming me, high-beaming me, high-beaming me. And now, I'm, now my mind's starting to, like, race a little bit. I'm getting, like, kind of uncomfortable. And even, like, my eyes are starting to bother me because he's, you know, blasting the high-beams in my, my mirrors and stuff. Now... Route 24, uh, generally a good amount of traffic at certain times. So now there's traffic, and I'm getting, like, stuck behind a couple cars, moving slow. I'm like, okay, I shook this guy. Nope, I see him a <laughs> couple cars back now, like, weaving in the different directions I'm going. And uh, he eventually works his way to the back of me again. Boom, starts high-beaming me again. Okay, and so you're in, like, kind of like bumper to bumper traffic and no point this guy couldn't like pull next to you whatever the end of the story is they like give you a note or something like that like, like i'm thinking like all right just flip me off already like yeah if you know you never beeped at me you never honked the horn you never drove next to me like just let it out on me already so now i'm getting like really uncomfortable i'm like all right i gotta get what is this guy doing and i'm thinking in my head like is this, uh, are, are my lights off? Is the bed of my truck open? <laughs> you know, like, and it's down. Someone's trying to signal to me. Maybe, and I'm starting to like, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was like <laughs> Halloween time. I'm starting to think, okay, there's a lot of mentally ill people out there. Like, maybe I'm just setting this guy off and he's going to freaking kill me. Like, you know, he, he wants to call us some type of problem. So then I'm, I'm thinking in my head, all right, I'll get off on the shoulder. So he passes me. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. That's probably the worst idea to do. Because then if he gets off on the shoulder with me, he's going to get out of the car. And that's the end of me. He's going to pop me twice, jump back in, and get on the highway. I love how this game is, like, crossing between, like, all right, whatever, to, like, paranoia. to Extreme paranoia. Yeah, the suspense has killed me. I can't wait till the end of this. So I continue. Well, so I decide that... I, you know, I was running on time for the show, so I decide whatever. So now we're talking a legit, we're about 20 minutes of him following me. Now it's getting really awkward. So I decide I'm going to get off at whatever exit is next, no matter what, and try to lose this guy. So I, I, I go to the Springfield exit, right? Where we used to get off for Scotty's Comedy Cove over there. Um, and I decide Legendary. what I'm going to do is... Um, I pull over to the right. He pulls over to the right. And now I'm just going. I decide I'm going to go 
all the way to the last possible second I can make a right. Like, not even signal that I'm getting off the exit. Just pull like a whoosh. And so I get to the exit. I pull right. And he, thankfully, he didn't, he couldn't follow me because I just got it where, like, the (laughs) the turn to the exit was. So he cruises by. No honk. No middle finger. And it was a, it turned out it was like a, a silver van. Like a like a caravan, mm. um, so I get off, and of course I'm stuck in more traffic because it's Springfield, New Jersey. It's awful over there, and now I'm like, I ended in like in a full panic. Like I'm looking around, is this guy gonna pop back off the <laughs> off the exit? I actually ended up calling my wife. I was just like, I ah, something. Weird. Oh no, I text her. I was like, and then she called me. She's like, you're all right. I'm like. Yeah, it's just really weird. I just got followed for like 25 minutes. And she's like, okay, okay, this happens. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Really weird experience. I don't know if you've ever had this with something similar. Nothing where I couldn't get the answer. So it's just a mystery of life. What this? No idea. No idea what I did. If I did something, I would be like, like I said, if I did something, if I cut him off, give me the bird. Flip me off. I'll do the other, the whole. You know, the international handway, sorry, you know. I was hoping you were going to say something like, I, I couldn't get a hold, rid of him, so I ran into Scotty's, and I did a 15-minute set there. <laughs> and then I got back in my car, and he followed me to the next place, and I had to do a 30-minute set over there. But I had material going, so I was kind of thankful for the, him being an a-hole. About oh, it. man, it was like getting to a point where I'm like, I still had a half hour to go on my journey. And I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to follow me all the way down to Edison, New Jersey. Like, this this is getting extreme at this point. And I was I'm, like, I was like frazzled for a good 20 minutes after that. Like, what the hell was that? You know, like, yeah. and this, usually this, on my way down to a show, I'm kind of like, thinking about what i want to do that night sometimes i'll listen to an old set to like uh remember what jokes worked or what didn't or something that i wanted to work because i'm not performing like like i used to like almost a couple times a week or whatever now it's a little more spaced out with the kids so i always got to kind of refresh myself a little bit like all right what the hell do i do here i hope while you were doing your comedy like they were giving you the light so you like five minutes (laughs) and it it just gave you a flashback no, he's here! Everybody run! Oh, man. I actually... Uh, <laughs> the, the people who put this show on were not very experienced in the, in the comedy realm. <laughs> um, so they had asked me for all of us for bios, like, about us or whatever. So I thought it was going to be, like, on a flyer or, like, an email, you know, Scott Brennan, perform, whatever. No, sure enough, like, it was, like, time for me to go on. It's like... Coming to the stage now is Scott Brennan. He has performed that blah, 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 blah. He has jokes about, <laughs> like, it was this whole, bio, they read like a six-sentence bio before I went on. Like, the energy was just so weird going up. I was like, I was like, wow, how about that intro, guys? Like, it was like, Scott was born in 1984. He later, like, it was so weird. Well, wait a minute. And all the things you described, did you say what kind of, vehicle you drove because <laughs> maybe they're like oh my god he's gonna be late for the show keep going scott it's no, him you're going the wrong way it's the comma him yeah the vin number on his on his jeep is <laughs> seven three nine four like yeah it was so weird man uh, but the show was good but man uh definitely put me in an awkward headspace for for a little bit 
yeah, I never had really a bad situation in people following me. I know when I was like a little younger, I was a little more an aggressive driver and wanted to go and stuff. So I had a guy once like in front of me, I guess he was getting pissed off because he thought I was like super tailgating. Right. Nothing more than I figure I was as a younger lad, but I, <laughs> he wasn't like, and it got to the point where like, I'm getting frustrated because the guy's not going to speed limit. He's getting pissed off because I'm getting close. And at one point, like he's looking in the rear view mirror and seeing me pissed off. And then he's, then I'm looking forward as he's getting pissed off. Yeah. And it got to the point where he put on his blinker to go into like a seven 11. He kept on like point. He's like, you, <laughs> and, and I just blew by him. And I was laughing my tail off and yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, I told you about that. I, I know I mentioned this on the cast, but I might as well tell it again a long time ago. Um, I was on Route 35 near my near my hometown, and it's one of those roads where there's two lanes going one way, two lanes going the other, and in the middle, there's like a lane where you could get into and wait and make turns. So there's like a middle lane. So it's not like the safest thing in the world. It's kind of I always found it a little crazy, but anyway, I'm driving, and a guy swerves from four, so all four lanes away, goes through the middle, and cuts me off like inches away from from super accident so i beep and i do the whole what the hell you know you know the whole come on man and the guy like loses it and we come to a light and he gets out of his car (laughs) and starts walking like um he ended up behind me so he ends up getting out of the car and walking towards me and i'm like oh my god oh my god no i'm not one of those guys who has like a bat in his car like the most i have is like Rappers from a sausage, egg, and cheese that I, uh, <laughs> that'd be great. That's you just panic and just start chucking notes. He's like, No, that's not kosher. <laughs> I've been pretty, pretty good, by the way. I, I got off that little, uh, <laughs> uh, downward spiral of eating sausage, egg, and cheeses all the time. I, I think I've only had one in the last like month or so. On a side note to that, to tell the audience, I informed Scotty I tried to order the salmon, egg, and cheese at my place, and they said they didn't have it. So <laughs> if I find cheese. it somewhere, I will do a review for verbal shenanigans. Just the idea of salmon and eggs together, like in the morning, really just doesn't do it. Like, doesn't yeah. sound like it's going to start your day very well. That, that's why I had to try it. And yeah. sa- I, there are other grands. There are other. I mean, this is the South, so there's plenty of restaurants and gas stations. I will try to find this salmon, egg, and cheese and, perform, <laughs> and have it for the show. I wonder if our guest had has had salmon, egg, and cheese. He might have. He might have oh, had it along the way. Is that a segue, Scotty? Not yet. Not yet. We'll get. Oh, to, uh, we'll, we'll get to him in just a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, the guy gets out of the car, starts walking towards me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, light! Please change! Please change!" And just as the light changes, I end up like flooring it to pull away. And he swung to kick my car and like nicked the bumper like a little bit, but I was pulling away and he, he, fell, he fell on the ground and I'm like sprinting away and he's in the background like cursing. Like people are like super mentally ill people like that who are so angry are absolutely frightening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never get that. And I mean, I've been very furious in the car but i am smart enough to say i will keep this rage in this car i will become the incredible hulk 
in my car, but I will be Bruce Bannering by not getting outside my car. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I would I would say my road rage is pretty low. Um, considering I grew up in the heart of New Jersey in traffic, I don't think I'm pretty that bad at all. I'll do the come on like for a slow driver, but I don't ever get really too crazy. When I was younger, like my biggest F you to somebody, if they're in front of me and they're going too slow, I do the NASCAR warming tires. So if it <laughs> so if it's forty yeah. and they're doing thirty in front of me and there's no way to get past them. I'm literally like staying in the lane going left and right, left and right. If you ever watch a NASCAR race when they're before they throw the green, they're throwing the cars left and right, left and right to kind of clean their tires to make sure they're good yeah. when they take off. So I will do would do something like that just to give them in the state of mind of either A, speed up or B, get out of my way. <laughs> Yeah, and then you go left and you go right into the oncoming traffic, and that's that's the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's my pit crew's problem, not mine. Yeah. I mean, but um, I, I do remember one time when I was um, doing my uh, vet teching job, we were mobile. We were – I wasn't even driving at the time. We were behind somebody in, like, Yonkers or something like that, and they were easily doing, like, 20, 25 under the speed limit and, like, really hindering it, and we just kept on – like, what is wrong with this guy? What's going on? Whatever. And like the guy who was like our cashier at the time, he's like, he come to a stop. He's like, I'll find out. And he got out of the van and he went up to the, <laughs> but you can see the guy was like crapping his pants. Yeah. Guys- it wasn't even like going there to be like vicious and all. He literally just like politely knocked on his window and that guy literally saw his life flashing <laughs> before him. You guys didn't like reach to the back of the truck and like throw, throw cats at the, <laughs> At the car, you know. I mean, we would have syringes in the back, so that would be a pretty <laughs> that would have been a pretty nice road rage move and all to be like just like like we could pry his lock open in his car with a couple of syringes and then when we get in just start stabbing him. But we were good. When you when you did the vet teching thing, did you get did anybody ever uh did you have any experience with non cats or dogs? Any any like weird animals? Parrots. Really? Those were the three animals. It was dogs, cats, and ferrets when we did it. No, most of our ferrets were good. Um, there was one time, like, I remember, like, the only ferret I can remember, like, vicious. I remember at one point, like, it's usually good. Cool. You, you get the scruff, you lift them up, and I guess by nature, just by grabbing them by the scruff and picking them up, they just do a big yawn, which always helps because <laughs> yeah. you give them like Benadryl and we got to let them sit for like a half an hour because ferrets are very susceptible to vaccine reactions. <laughs> so they're pretty laid back. Um, but there was one, I remember it came out of the cage and it was like circling coming after my hand. And it was such a shock for me. Like, all I had to do was pick up my hand, but I was constantly keeping my hand on the table as the ferret was circling, trying to bite it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a surreal moment right there. I don't I don't like ferrets. Too much, too similar to, ro- like, rodents. Not a fan. They're very cute. I like them. I always thought about getting one in my days when I was alone. Oh, God. As, like, if when I, I came, couldn't get a dog. If I came to your house and you had... The, the the head with the jewel with the beads all over it on your coffee table, uh-huh. your NASCAR section, your and just a ferret roaming around. I I don't know if we can keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> 
sadly, oh, yeah. like I like it, it'd be one of those things like uh, it seems like a weird like Back to the Future series where it's like Marty goes back in the past. And it's like, oh, I always wanted a ferret back then. Well, I wonder what would happen. Yeah, yeah. And, like <laughs> I would still be in my apartment, unemployed, no wife. No yeah. animals, just me with my just talking to my globe head <laughs> and my ferrets. <laughs> but uh, the reason I held back on it is they're they're kind of in the same family as the skunks, and they always have like a musky smell. And <sighs> I, I feel I'm like just... anybody who owns a ferret, their house must smell, or or the people oh. smell. Oh, easily. Like yep. it, they had a distinct smell to them. And you know? like, there were people that bring like four or five ferrets, and where you kind of look at them like, <sighs> really. What? Gross. See, I, if I was a vet, I would be so so selective. I'd be like, dogs, any dog emergencies, they would pass the line. So, like, there would definitely be, like, dying cats and gerbils in the in the, in the waiting room. I'd be like, one minute, one minute. Uh, but that dog just needs his nails clipped. Come on, come on. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think we talked about this, like, two weeks ago. The vets have to be, like... When someone brings like something crazy and they gotta be like, uh, I don't know, give it give it the best shot. You know, we don't really know anything about this gerbil, you know, or how to save a gerbil. Yeah. Like there's gotta be a value chart on an animal's life. What what should we do about my gerbil's Lyme disease? Uh spend twenty dollars on the next one? Yeah, I don't know what to yeah, tell you. Yeah. Just exchange it and you know, just, just get another yeah. gerbil, put it in the tank at PetSmart. But <laughs> I remember, like, my later times with, I started out as a vet tech, but it went to, like, I was customer service. I was the guy, I was, like, signing up people for, like, shots and heartworm and all that stuff. And, like, a few of us were, like, super competitive to get our number averages above the others. So I remember, like, ferrets only have two shots. They have rabies and distemper, kind of like what your dogs here, whatever. But I, I was the one that sat back and said, I wonder if we could do a fecal test on these. Oh, God. And like, so you I were would, just upselling people? Yeah, I was. So you, like, you were the equivalent of like, this is why I tell my wife not to go get oil changes by herself because they always try to upsell like poor women. Like, oh, you came for an oil change, but you need a new muffler and a new uh-huh. kettle. So they'd come in and you'd be like, oh, man, your ferret needs a, a fecal test. You should probably get a neurological exam. Uh, <laughs> Well, we only had, like I said, the two shots. So that those two together, it's like $22. So the fecal test we got in 32, which is like the average like dog shot yeah. cost back then, cat and dog. So I always do that. And like, look what it was. It was like um, a container. And then you put some fecal matter in there and then you would mail it out. And like one of our some lab would come back and say if there was anything. Yeah. <laughs> but like the lab literally contacted us and said, stop sending ferrets. We don't do any tests with ferret fecal matter. Just send us the dog and cat stuff. <laughs> Please stop sending ferret shit. Please. <laughs> Whoever Whoever's working the desk down there, you guys need to talk to. <laughs> like, you know they're like under the microscope. What? What? What in the hell? Like, oh, come on. No <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, there's our, there's our body fluid segment of, of, of the week. There, there we go. There we go. Can't, we've can't done go three shows in three weeks, and we've <laughs> done body fluids in at least two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a good segue for, for our guest here. We're talking about ferrets. We're talking about salmon, egg, and cheeses. We're talking about animals, or weird animals. Um, Mike, who we got tonight? 
Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking with Scott Laysath. If you watch the Outdoor Network or the Sportsman Channel, he has been on your TV at some point for the last 20 years. He was the original sporting chef. He currently hosts the show Dead Meat on hunting out of the ordinary game and preparing it. Uh, his latest show is The Fishmonger with Tommy Gomes. So we are going to talk about hunting and cooking, maybe something else, but likely the first two things. Sounds good. Let's get Scott on the line. Hey, Scott. There it is. Hey. What's up, guys? How's Doing it going, well. Scott? How are you? Doing good. I'm Scott. And I mean, that's Scott. I'm Mike. Welcome to the show here. Good to Where be here. Where are we calling you from? I'm in Folsom, California, outside of Sacramento. Oh, okay. Okay. The other California. <laughs> so, um, first question right off the bat, uh, I'd see in your background, you have uh, a degree in psychology. So, was it Socrates that taught you to hunt and cook beavers? Was, it, was that what happened? <laughs> I don't remember that course. No, that didn't come up. I, I took the path of least resistance and got a liberal arts degree. Ah, yes. And uh, I know that well. About, <laughs> that's about the extent of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you've been in the business now for, like, 20-some-odd years. I mean, like, off the bat, i got to ask you, like, is, is this just, like, heaven for you? It just seems like every day is just, like, going into nature, just cooking, BSing. It's got to be the life, right? Be honest well, I'll, with us. I'll let you know I'm uh, I'm going to be eating a skunk on Sunday. Oh. Well, I mean, our last guest did that, too, so you're a little late. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, we we, uh, we we get asked to, you know, people want us to eat things that they wouldn't eat. And so, you know, we have four series. We've got Dead Meat, Sporting Chef, Fishmonger, and a new one called Ranch America. And so we get to do a lot of different stuff. And believe me, not everything that we eat on the Dead Meat Show is good. <laughs> is, this, <laughs> is this the first? But I'll let, I'll let you know if it's not. So this is the first delve into skunk meat in your life. First, first skunk. Uh, I mean, we've gotten to most things. I think we're going to shoot all next season in South America. Um, okay. I've got a buddy that's been living in Uruguay and Argentina for the last year. So he's kind of done the, the homework. So we'll do parakeets and iguana. I mean, uh, uh, whatever that, uh, what's the fish that bites your legs when you get piranha piranha and all that other kind of stuff. So what is, what is your background? Like as a kid, were you raised with chefs around you or, or hunters? Were you always kind of exposed to, to wildlife and cooking or did this find you somewhere else in life? You know, I think my inspiration was my mom, because she was not a very good cook. Um, and, you know, I, I my dad grew up on a, on a farm in Alabama, but didn't do any hunting after World War II. Didn't, wasn't interested in picking up a gun after that. So I pretty much came to hunting on my own. Cooking my parents would make the mistake of going away for a week or so when I was in high school. And so I would have everybody over to the house and I'd cook for them. Um I, I I now have a kid who's 25, and I got my payback when I would leave him at home when we left, too. So the same kind of thing happened. But, uh, you know, mine is not a well-planned career path. You know, I was working as a bouncer when I was finishing school. 
And I had the option of going to work with juvenile delinquents for very little money, or uh, I got transferred from Tucson to Phoenix. I got a two-week training course on how to be a cook, bartender, and manager. And eventually, I was vice president of the 33-unit chain. So I really didn't plan on doing that, but I've kind of been in the food food and beverage end of it since 78. So, yes, I'm that old. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, like, when you get something new to kind of try to prepare, just out of curiosity, is it – do most things, can you just correlate to, okay, that's probably like a chicken, that's probably like a cow, or is every single thing you have to come up with like a new kind of nuance to it to make it palatable? You know, they're all, you know, beaver, let's see, raccoon, possum, muskrat, those are the dark stringy meats. Um, and they all kind of you. You don't want to eat a medium rare muskrat. Oh, shucks! Um, that was on the menu. Like, that was on the menu tomorrow night. <laughs> I, I didn't want to ruin that for you. But, um, Bad. You know there are some like the darker, stringier, tougher meats. You want to cook low and slow. You want to make them. You know, a lot of times you're trying to make them not taste like they naturally taste like. For instance, people that say, "Man, I love possum." I'm thinking. I don't love possum. <laughs> Possum's kind of greasy. It's kind of gross. You have to, you know, ideally you want to purge it while it's live for a week or so to get rid of all the other shit that it ate and that, that you don't want to eat. Um, you know, the color of the meat makes a difference. Um, the skunk, I've seen the photos of skunk, and it's kind of light meat looking, but I'm afraid it's going to cook out dark. Um you want to do the background check, for instance, uh, 400 and something pound bear in Minnesota a couple of years ago. These guys said, well, I'm going to cook you the bear liver. And, uh, you know, I'm a good sport. I'll eat a. am not going to eat a plate of bear liver, but I'll eat a bite. Mm -hmm. And it tasted like a wet, meaty sponge. <laughs> which I know sounds really good, but it wasn't. <laughs> and... And then I go to the Minnesota DNR site and it says, whatever you do, don't eat the bear liver because it's very high in it's toxic levels of B vitamins or something like that. So uh, to answer your question, though, you look at the meat. If it feels tough, you know, if somebody gives me a, like a, a hind quarter roast out of a whatever kind of animal it is, I'll cut a little slice off, put it in a hot skillet with salt, pepper, maybe a little bit of olive oil and see how it behaves. If it if it's tender, I don't need to do a lot whole a lot to it. If it's if it's not, a couple different ways you'll slice it really thinly across the grain and flash cook it in a stir fry, or you go low and slow so that it you know you can cook anything long enough in liquid, and it will eventually be tender. But you know most antler game behaves about the same. We were just in Texas shooting Nilgai, which is a uh, it's an Asian four-legged animal that looks it's it's actually an it's an antelope but it is somehow related to a cow as well doesn't taste anything like venison you would expect it to it tastes a lot more like beef uh, there's about thirty-five thousand of them in south texas they're not they're not high fenced animals they're free ranging and you just have to know somebody so you, you can get on their property but 
Um, I I cooked it before. I just hadn't shot one, but it tasted like a cow, <laughs> and I expected it to taste like any other antelope, and it didn't. So so when did the jump from? You said you started working in the restaurant industries. I'm I'm assuming most of them weren't serving uh, skunk and possum and. And whatnot. So when did like it go from okay, I'm cooking chicken and burgers and beef and and everything to kind of exploring into wild game and 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 some of the things you've had on the dead meat show? When did that jump start to happen? Well, I I had my own restaurant in the Sacramento area, and we had game on the menu. We okay. had you know, it was farmed New Zealand red stag and quail and that kind of thing. And people would come in and say, "How come mine doesn't taste like yours?" So I'd say, "Bring yours in." And we'll cook it for you. Um, so people would drop off their game. Not, you know, they're not leaving the deer on the back porch. They're bringing me cleaned game. We're doing a meal for them. And then we started doing game feeds. Um, and the local news found out about it. They would come and feature our game feeds. I also did um, lots of like Ducks Unlimited, Safari Club, now, Wild Turkey Federation doing all of their banquets in Northern California, and some were game, some were not. Um, but that's kind of how I developed the reputation for it, starting in the restaurant that I had years ago. Now, your show shows you going out with people, hunting for all these animals before preparing them. I'm kind of curious, uh, when you go hunting by yourself, are you kind of like on the show are you kind of like going to buddy having a good time relaxing having a beer are you one of those full camouflage 10 below zero with a gun holding still for an hour what's your hunting ways um you know what i miss the most um after having done tv for so long is going out with a buddy of mine and going duck hunting get up in the morning listen to the marsh waking up it's got, it's got nothing to do with TV cameras. I don't take a photo. I don't bring a phone. <laughs> Anybody that brings a phone, I tell them to shut the damn thing off. We're here to do this, not to take photos of whatever it is we're doing. Um, you know, I've uh, my goal is to get off airplanes and get back to hunting and fishing with my buddies. I'm not a hardcore hunter. I'm not going to sit in a tree stand when it's freezing just to shoot a deer. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't want to do that anymore. I'm not that hardcore. Um, you know, there was a time when we might have a drink or two in the duck blind, but I'm not going to admit to that openly. Well, I guess I just did, but <laughs> at, least not, at least not currently. That's not my, my, you know, my goal is just to get out. I don't care if I shoot limits. Uh, my preference is hunting with dogs. I have setters. And I love working with dogs. Uh, seeing a dog on point and a wild bird flushing or ducks landing on the or being shot on the water and having a dog fly out of the blind and go retrieve a duck. To me, that's that's a lot more fun than shooting a four legged animal. So how did you develop, okay, you're cooking these things for, for friends or working in the restaurant? How did you your interest in tv and, and media start because now, nowadays people can can kind of do it you know start it on their own and start to build it but years ago it was like you need a tv deal of some sort to make any kind of content when did you start thinking okay i can make this into something people might want to watch when i had my restaurant in sacramento somebody to ask had asked me to be the back of the house chef for an hgtv show and so i ended up 
not only being the executive chef in the back, I ended up doing cooking segments, um, do, co doing some work with the host on the show. Um, I did 185 shows on HGTV um, before somebody said, um, uh, no, I was in Alabama and somebody uh, and doing an appearance there. And somebody said, how would you like to be on our TV show? And I went, yeah, sure. Yeah. They ended up co-producing the show really again, not a well-planned career path. It just kind of happened at no time that I ever say, man, I'd really like to have a TV show. <laughs> um, and, and now we've got four of them with a possible fifth on the way. When you start doing this, it, I mean, it's easy to look at like the Gordon Ramsay's and Guy Fieri's and like, oh, I got to do a flair to it or whatever. Did you naturally go into it just like this is me or was there ever thought of, yeah, I'm going to start cooking this and I'm going to yell at this person. I'm going to be like, whoa, look at that flame or nothing like that. I don't do any of that shit. I, 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 you know, and if I, I don't know why Gordon Ramsay hadn't had his ass kicked several times at this point, <laughs> because he really doesn't. I, I would not allow that in a kitchen of mine to have that kind of attitude. Um, one of the biggest compliments that I get is people say, you just seem like a regular guy. You seem like you'd be fun yeah. to hang out with. And that's what I want to come across, because I'm not the best hunter, the best chef the best anything i just want people to be able be able to experience through what i do and maybe just get entertained you know we're not we're not claiming to be the best of anything we really our goal is just to entertain the viewer right that's great so i'm, I'm sure you get asked this a million times but i feel like i have to ask since we're interviewing you um what what is the best unexpected kind of meat that you you worked with and, and grown to love to cook? And, and what was the worst thing that you tried and tried and just just never really developed a great taste for? There's got to be something that sticks out. Well, and and the worst is the question I get asked most often because of some of the crap I have to eat. Yeah, but the top two of the worst is going to be python. We were Everglades hunting for pythons in the Everglades, and it's not like rattlesnake that you can just pull the meat off and it's actually edible it's really super super tough the other one is a machita we were on the texas mexico border and these really nice guys had saved me this special thing and it was goat heart <laughs> liver and lung mm. wrapped with goat fat and tied with goat intestine nice which i know sounds great uh, on man. yeah but it was undercooked, so you've got this soft, not crunchy fat on the outside, warm, soft fat, and then the crunchy, <laughs> undercooked organ on the inside. Oh, mm. huh? Who's yeah. hungry now? Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I mean, you had, you had me at medium-rare uh, possum before or whatever it was, but now, now, now I'm hungry. One of, the, one of the biggest surprises, we had a, a beaver tail soup. Um, this guy took a beaver tail and burn it over an open flame like you would a bell pepper, scrape the burnt stuff off, chopped it up, made a stew out of it. It was like really sweet, fatty beef. It was really good. Amazing. So with all these shows that you're developing and you bring new people on, I see like there, there's new hosts for like the sporting chef. What? How do you go about figuring out who you want to bring on the team for some of your shows and what is like the criteria are you sitting down and interviewing them are you looking at their past work are they cooking for you what do you look for when you're working with somebody 
you know, I, I think you're giving me way too much credit. So there was um, <laughs> Stacy Harris, who's the new host of The Sporting Chef. Somebody came to me 10 or 12 years ago and said, you need to put this gal on your show. Because on The Sporting Chef show, we have lots of different people cook, show us how they do stuff. It's not just how the host does it. And she um, was a guest on the show, did segments on the show for eight years. Uh, Stacy Lynn Harris, very Southern. You know, I'm assuming that people are going to rather look at her than me. She's a very attractive <laughs> Southern gal. Her cooking's great. Her whole family hunts. She has a law degree. She homeschooled seven kids. Um, we like people with a backstory. Um, the guy that I have hosting the fishmonger, um, he's a commercial fisherman, spent 10 years in prison. I've known him for 15 I worked with him in consumer shows. Was 10 of them in prison? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were cellmates, and we got really <laughs> close. So um, so I just worked with him in consumer show. As a matter of fact, he's speaking at an engagement in Connecticut tomorrow, and he's telling his whole story, and it's he's motivational speaker, lives in San Diego. He's the real deal. He spent, I think the longest he ever spent was like 143 days on the water at once. Jeez. Um, but he, why would I assume that I could host a show called the fishmonger when I don't know anything about commercial fishing? And this mm. guy does, um, our new show that we're, we're in production with right now is ranch America. I've got a guy who owns two restaurants, has 80 head of cattle. Uh, I was just with him at a rodeo last week and he knows cows and he knows what it takes to put beef on the table. So I want to hire the people. I want to have the people host it that know more about it than I do, which is, you know, substantial when it comes to, you know, ranching and commercial fishing. Yeah. I've learned a lot, but I don't want to be the guy asking stupid questions. It's kind of like, you know, when you watch a new news segment and you see the chef, the local chef come on and you just have somebody standing over him saying, oh, I see you're adding salt. Yeah. That doesn't really add anything. Put the right people yeah. on there that know what they're talking about yeah. and, and let them do their job. That's kind of the way I look at it. So you said you never you never intended to have the TV thing. Now you have four or five uh, shows and you're putting out content left and right. What kind of like, you know, you, you spent a lot of time working before any of this. What time of kind of time commitment is this to put out this much content and, and, and kind of be around or in all this, all this media and stuff? Like, is this like all day, every day type stuff? Do you ever get a break? Um, not much of a break. I usually get a break whenever I need to get um a knee replacement or a hernia surgery, then <laughs> okay. I can stay home. That's what, I've got. That's what I've got on deck. I've got a back order and I have a knee, uh, my third hernia surgery, and more rotator cuff work. So mm. um, I have to plan my trips um, around me falling apart. <laughs> I'm basically just, I'm paying, paying for my youth when I thought I was indestructible. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What was the best hunting place you ever went to? God, that's tough. Um yeah, one of my the, one of the more memorable ones was hunting wild cows on the Big Island in Hawaii. They have feral cattle, so you're walking through this jungle, volcanic, uh, volcanic rock, and all this jungle. And the next thing you know, you come around a corner, and there's wild cows there, which I know doesn't sound all that ominous, but 
they take off. I mean, if they see you 200 yards away, they're going to beat feet. And what and what I you know what I learned more about it is the damage that they do to the environment, that kind of thing. But just hunting on a volcanic rock, on volcanic rock in Hawaii, hunting wild cows was really really special. Uh, pheasant hunting in South Dakota, even when it's 20 below, with the right group of people, that's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's really hard to isolate what would be the mo- the better trip because there's so many of them. And I feel really, really fortunate that I get to do stuff like this, you know, and still, and I can earn a living doing things that, you know, you read about in Outdoor Life magazine as a kid. Um, Anybody that takes this for granted is just ridiculously entitled. I don't get it. This is, this is a really good life. What I'm really, really tired of is airplanes. Um, (laughs) I've I've flown 1.7 million miles on Delta. If I get to 2 million, shoot me. It's just, you know, getting far away. You're not that far away. (laughs) Once you're there, it's fine. It's just getting there these days is the most annoying part. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, you, um, I, I feel like over the years, you know, the, the, the topic of hunting comes up all the time and, you know, Back in the day, it seemed like movies always portrayed hunters as these like drum drunk uh, country bumpkins who were you know drinking beer and howling and you know over the last I would say last five ten years has been a very positive spin on hunting. You got big advocates like Rogan and Cameron Haynes and big personalities always talking about hunting and conservation and bringing on all these interesting guys. Have you seen? A change in both the narrative and kind of the interest in what you're doing like over like i like i would say the last five ten years as far as people being more into uh game and and getting their own food supply and preparing you know things that are, are different well you know it's uh what's his name zuckerberg from facebook uh what's his first name mark yeah. mark mark zuckerberg <laughs> He, at one point a few years ago, he said he was only going to eat the game that he shot. A non-hunter, he wanted to discover that. There's people coming out of the city. The foodies want to discover, you know, where their food comes from. And you're seeing more of that. More, th- more of that. But we're also losing hunters every year. Okay. There's less hunters every year. Um, it's not a cheap entry. It's not easy to find public land that's a good place to hunt in most areas. Um, we were just in Montana in September, and they have a great program for public hunters. They put public and private interests together. Um, they got the attorneys out of it, and people just sign in. They say they're going to be uh, hunting in this area, and they can do that. So they're promoting the hunting. Um, I don't see the reckless rednecks that I saw 20, 30 years ago. Right. But but I'm also hunting in better places than I did 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, I have access to better places than so. Um, I, I think it's I I suspect it's a lot less. I'll have to, I wonder if if we can find out how many road signs have shotgun BBs in them now as compared to 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, how many mailboxes have been shot at that kind of thing? You know. It, it's not easy to hunt the right way. It's not, it's not an inexpensive hobby. Um, so, you know, the hunters that I'm around all seem to be really well-behaved. You know, hunters are conservationists right. for the most part. That's where our money goes. 
Um, the money goes to environmental, um, you know, conservation concerns. And if it wasn't for the hunting license dollars, we'd have a lot less places for whether we hunt or to do anything outdoors. That's where a lot of it comes from. Um, I haven't, you know, for all the years I've been doing this, especially when I had the restaurant where we served wild game, fully expected somebody to put red paint on the building or any of that stuff. <laughs> None of that's ever happened to me. It's, yeah. it's, it's been well received. Um, we I was with a program for 14, 15 years with Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel called Hunt, Fish, Feed, where we feed, we fed about 140 homeless shelters around the country. Um, somewhere near 40,000 meals we served, and we would do venison, uh, wild pigs in Texas, salmon out of Lake Michigan we fed 1,000 a, a people in uh, Chicago with. Uh, we did wild turkey for Thanksgiving in May for 700 people at a homeless shelter in Chicago. Very nice. So those kinds of things really help to give hunters a little bit better name and 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 let people know that we're not drunken rednecks. I'm not saying all of us aren't, but <laughs> for the most part, we're not. Yeah. Hmm. What's your favorite toy on the hunting side, and what's your favorite toy in your kitchen? Uh, in the kitchen, it's an eight-inch chef's knife. There you go. Um, I don't need bigger isn't better. I mean, you just need one good knife. Um, hunting, I've got an over and under 20-gauge Browning Satori that I shoot most things with. Um, I don't have the latest of anything. I don't know what the latest trend in cooking, hunting, or fishing is. <laughs> I still wear the same jackets I wore 20 years ago. No. And, you know, I don't, I also don't solicit stuff from sponsors. Send me this and I'll wear it on TV. I don't really care. I'm going to wear whatever I feel like wearing. <laughs> and oh, man. I'm we, wear we had a verbal shenanigans camo hunting suit coming to you. I guess we'll, we'll cancel the <laughs> <and> ship it. <laughs> yeah, no, great. I've been looking for that. That'll be. <laughs> Um, I've always, that's always been number one on my list. Um, I, I'm just not, I, I don't need the latest. I don't need the newest of anything. I, um, my cooking style is very straightforward. I don't know what the latest trend is. I'm not going to put foam on anything because I find that just stupid. <laughs> you're, not, and, um, you're not air no. frying your bears and uh, skunks. <laughs> not, and, no, I'm not going to do any of those things. <laughs> I like to use, I use food that's in season. I use game that's in season or fish that's in season. Um, you know, my favorite foods are raw fish and homegrown tomatoes and oysters. Love it. None of those. None of those things are cooked. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Uh, Scott, we really love love talking to you. Um, find all this stuff very fascinating. Um, if people want to check out all your different shows or or where your content is or or follow you, where's the best place for them to to check all things Scott uh, Laceth out? If you go to sportingchef.com, um, there's a bunch of recipes there, and that'll take you to. You know, our podcast, where the shows are and that kind of thing. And um, Outdoor Channel has all of our shows listed. Again, it's Dead Meat, uh, Sporting Chef, and Fishmonger, the new one. Ranch America starts in March. And um, we've had a lot of – I've learned a lot about cows and shit. So they say that you, you don't call it shit until it hits the ground. That's something new I heard. Really? <laughs> I, that's, I just learned that today, too. Well, when you're up to your elbow inside a cow um, – 
with that big sleeve on there too and you, you just never know what's going to come back out and so apparently it just doesn't it has to hit the ground first to qualify mm. final question for you are, are we going to get a vegan show called impossible dead meat anytime soon <laughs> where you're yeah. rummaging for berries or getting mushrooms yeah. on top of a mountain i guess that now's as good a time as any to announce our next series um <laughs> uh, food nobody wants to eat Made with lots of ingredients you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for your for your time and uh, keep doing what you're doing because you got a lot of cool stuff out there. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, Scott, Lasith, um, Mike, would you – I feel like you would. Would you – um, would you try the what, what do you say muskrat or you said skunk? Which would you try anything prepared by a chef? Like if it's regular, just the meat of the animal. Yeah, sure. If we start diving into like organ meat and brains, I would have to think about it. But just like a regular, hey, this is some ground up beaver. All right, you know why not? I mean. Maybe it'd be good. Maybe it'd be like, nope, not my thing. But yeah, I think if it was prepared, I, I would pretty much try ju- almost everything. I can't say everything. I have. To, I tried brain before. Uh, it wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> it was just tasted like scrambled egg, like runnier scrambled eggs. It wasn't. <laughs> well, at least you got rid of your neighbor. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, would you Would you try ferret? That's <laughs> shoot. I don't think I could. I mean, it sounds weird because I remember my mom had chickens while I was like in high school, college, and I didn't blink an eye to a chicken dinner. We didn't, those were like pure pets. We used our eggs. We didn't uh, harm the chickens anyway. In fact, when we moved away, my mom made sure to find some kind of person to take over her chickens. But um, yeah, I think it would just feel too weird uh, doing that. I, it actually reminds me, um, my former boss, the one I've, told you before how much i appreciate it he uh did a trip over to china and they were out in a restaurant and earlier in the week he specifically said you know under no circumstances do i want to eat dog or cat mm-hmm. and he's at the restaurant they're all eating and he's chowing down and something he's enjoying it and he's like this is good what is it and people start chuckling in the mm-hmm. around the God. table so he came to realization, ah, I guess that's the uh, way they make practical jokes down here in Dalion. Yeah, I don't know if I could eat a dog or a cat. <laughs> um, not, not, not feeling that, not feeling that. But nope. maybe if it's prepared by Scott, I would give it a shot. I don't know. Um, Season 11. <laughs> so um, speaking of the workplace, um, I happen to be... A, I would consider myself a like a grade A prank war person. Um, very much like to prank people, and I enjoy like the the back and forth of pranking each other. So there's a guy I work with, um, and he's a very very gullible man. Good guy, but very gullible. Can get him. Get him going on anything. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't have... I don't think he has a ton of life experience. So things like... 
like he uh he he lived with just his mom for a while and i remember him coming to work one day and being like oh my god i had this this big party i had all these dishes everywhere i don't know how to i gotta wash them all and the one guy's like well why don't you just use the dishwasher and he's like we don't have a dishwasher he's like dude your, your your mom bought a brand new condo. You probably have a dishwasher. He's like, you think so? And sure enough, he goes home and takes a picture of. He's like, oh, I guess I, I guess I do have a dishwasher. That kind of guy. Just kind of a little bit aloof. Not always quite. Like, did they think it was a cabinet? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. And so I've gotten this guy so many times over the years. Uh, he's a Ukrainian guy, so I always mess with him. Like one year, I, uh, you know, he hates Russia. Uh, obviously we'll give it a couple months and he will be Russian. Yeah. Right. Um, so this was years ago. So I like took his wallet and I created a new Russian license for him with his picture. And I like put it, I, I, I spent like an hour and a half on this thing, making it look perfect. I laminated it and everything, put it in his wallet. And like three days later, he went to go <laughs> pay for something. Uh, he opened his wallet and he's like, Oh my God. Um, laughing um uh, i've done so many things um so someone about two weeks ago was was messing with my office chair um i first it started it was missing um it was moved a bunch of times and they started taking the arms off uh the wheels off um you know that kind of thing and yeah. so my goal right away i had a pretty strong inkling it was him okay it was i knew he was getting back at me for a bunch of things so my goal was to pretend that it was really like upsetting me uh and i would just be like i know you know who 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 messed with my chair and i would go around the people um who were you know who were with us in these conversations that whereas so he was aware I was trying to make him think that I was upset. I'd be like, oh, Mike, I know you know where my chair is. You're suspect number one. And then I'd be like, why not? Like, be like, They'd be like, I don't know where your chair is. I'd be like, why don't you know? You know something. So he, I really had him kind of believing that I didn't think it was him. Like, he, he thought he was in the clear. So It's kind of like a workplace game of Clue, almost. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, I wasn't, I'll give him credit. I wasn't 100% sure it was him, because we have a couple other people that enjoy a good prank, but he was my number one suspect. So I, uh, I go to my boss. He's a good guy. And I'm like, hey, because um, it, it happened. And I knew the people that had left before me, it couldn't have been them. And he was still in the building. So I'm like, hey. Do me a favor. Can you pull up the security footage for me of um, around this time period? So we scrub through. <laughs> sure enough, I get a video of this doofus walking out of my, you know, where, where I work with his big smile on his face right at the time. He was in there for about five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So I recorded the whole thing on, on my phone. I'm like, all right, I got him. So I go in um, and he's with his... Uh, his clients, if you will. And I'm like, I made a, a PowerPoint. I made a PowerPoint about good friends. What are friends? I'm like, guys, I have to do this. Uh, you know, it was, um, something that was mandated. So we just got to watch this presentation real quick. 
And it starts off with like a normal, what is a good friend? What are good traits of friends? It was like trust. Uh, <laughs> friends don't do this to other friends. And then it goes to toxic friends. And it was like toxic friends don't lie, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, boom. Toxic friends don't steal people's chairs. Boom. Toxic friends don't steal the wheels off people's chairs. But he's in there and he's like, oh, God. And I'm like, toxic friends don't go into somebody's office at 308 on November, blah, blah, blah. And then I pull up the security footage of him walking out. He's like, oh, God. You know, so everyone laughs. You know, he's like, I got you good. I'm like, yeah, you got me. I s-. But I'm like, I said, this is just the beginning. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you got to expect tons of payback coming your way well easily so i start putting it in his head a little bit so this guy's so gullible as i mentioned so at the end of the day i'm like well i'm like uh i was like enjoy your uh enjoy your day um you know you might get some interesting uh people contacting you and he's like well what do you mean i'm like i don't know i said maybe uh maybe you have a grinder profile now and he's like what I'm like, yeah, maybe I made you a, a grinder profile. He's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, okay. I said, your screen name is Ukrainian Hog. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's like, what? What do you mean? So later he comes back. He's like, dude, you didn't really make it. I checked all my emails. There's uh, there's no confirmation email or anything like that. I said, okay, don't worry. Fine. Uh, I, maybe I won't do it, but And so I, I let other people know, and they were like, yep, yeah, grinder. Like every time he walked back, and he'd be like, what? Did you really do it, man? He's like, did you use my work email? I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. So I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to really do anything to get the panic going in this guy so later on i I had met up with a couple friends of mine i'm like look you gotta do me a favor so i was like you gotta text my friend so we text him (laughs) we texted from a number he didn't have and we wrote hey cutie (laughs) so your profile so your profile really digging it you down to meet up so 40 seconds after we rifle off the text, I see my phone start blowing up and he's calling me and he's calling me and he's calling me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to let this simmer for a little while. (laughs) So half hour goes by. He probably called me six, seven times. And then I get texts from him and he's like, "Uh, here, let me pull it off real quick. Uh, He's like, uh, (laughs) he's like, uh, he's like, bro. He's like, okay, okay, you proved your point. Can you now take that off, please? I got messaged by like six people. These messages are whack. Please take it off. So I don't answer him for another like hour. And he calls again a couple more times. And I'm like, all right, I can't be super mean spirit about this. He, this guy's going up. So I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, bro, you won, man. You won. He's like, I'm getting these messages from these guys. I think they're going to send me... <laughs> nude photos i blocked him he's like my wife is gonna see this come on man he's like you win i'm like all right i said i don't know i mean i what do you mean he's like i gotta grind your profile now you gotta take it down and i'm like all right just admit to me that i win and he's like oh you win man you win i'm (laughs) i'm done with this and i'm like okay and then i'm like you want to know the best part idiot i'm like those are just my friends texting you and he's like really he's like oh my god i really thought these were these dudes (laughs) coming for me now i could have let this thing go for for three weeks if i want i could have really started started turning the screws on him and sending pictures and uh edit i was thinking about editing him a profile and like pretending that it was up but man the panic was fantastic It, it made me feel really good so um 
It was a nice feather in my cap. That, that's a beautiful story. Man. Yep. Like, if he didn't admit it, how far further would you have let it gone? If, like, he, if didn't, he didn't say, if he's like, no, man, I ain't going to give you no victory, or I'm not going to say you won. If he wouldn't have said it, I would have been like, all right, and just hung up the phone and then waited like a couple more hours and had another number just reach out to him. I even looked up like anonymous uh, text senders online. Um, and I started filling them out, but you have to pay for it. I'm like, well, I'm not paying. I mean, we haven't even paid for the Zoom subscription yet since we've done this podcast. So <laughs> I'm not paying for an anonymous texting uh, uh, data thing. But it was it was glorious, let me tell you. Um, so- Out of curiosity, does he drive a, a silver car with a ability to flashlights. <laughs> he doesn't drive a van, but it is a silver oh. car. It is a silver car. <laughs> Maybe it was him. Maybe it was him getting back at me. You don't mess with Ukraine! You don't mess with Ukraine! I'm not a grinder! <laughs> the Ukrainian hog does not exist. So now I've shifted to his cohorts that knew about it, and I've slowly started just little things like Unplugging the mouse and the monitor from the computer a couple times a day. So I'm slowly starting to build up to little crescendos on them. Um, we'll see what I come up with in the next week or so. But do, do you always have something in the tank ready as like a backup? Or is it when something happens, you're like, all right, pen and paper, what am I going to do here? I, I would say I um, I have all little standbys, but... I usually like to come up with something new. Sometimes my strategy is to lay dormant for like a month or two so they completely forget about it and then and then come back um, with a vengeance. But yeah, I have some, I have some ideas that I, I might want to try. One of my favorites, um, which I might bring back, used to be from high school. We used to put like little um, notes inside your gas tank. So when you used to pull up to the the you know the person who pumps your gas there'd be like a little note in there like you know i remember them be like i'm i'm really into indian men and they'd get the note and you get these really strange looks as they're coming to take your credit card um that's always a classic because that one's almost impossible to pick up on until you get to the gas station because you just slide it right behind the little tank thing Mm. it it only works in jersey though yes i guess oregon i think that's the other state that yeah, it's a very Jersey esque prank. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> in Georgia, we would just open up our tanks and be like, "Ooh, <laughs> You'd be like, oh, okay, oh, I got a secret Indian admirer, apparently, yeah. honey. Oh, yeah, yeah. good for me. Where where did I meet him? Mm. But I am a huge, huge fan of of of, of a good prank, and I, I I like a well done prank to me too. If it's well done, if it's cheesy, I'm like, eh, you know. Like, he was telling me they were thinking about taking the parts from my chair and shipping them to my house. See, I would have found that hysterical. I would have loved every second of it. Like, a nice box comes. I'm like, ooh, what's this? Because everyone gets excited when a box comes. It could be from anybody. You're like, oh, man, what is this? And then if it's, like, the back to my chair, I'd be like, touche. Good move. 
I think that's today's times. Like you just naturally assume it's something good. It, it could have been the box from the movie Seven. Yeah, you'd be like, I don't remember ordering this. Ed, <laughs> what's yeah? Like so much stuff comes through Amazon stuff. You're like, ooh, what is it? You know, like what is? Yeah. What a, sometimes you, I forget what I ordered, and I'm like, oh, what did I order? Like, uh, what's coming? You know? Yeah. If that movie was made today, they'd just be like, ooh, what's in the box? <laughs> like when ooh, when Dogfish sends us those beers, I'm so excited when I get a little box <laughs> in the mail. So, mm. but yeah, that, that was that was my week. Who do you think ever got you the best, or do you remember um, prank that you're like, this is legendary? I will say, I was younger. I was in Boy Scouts. I was probably about 14 years old, and the older kids all like, man, they had like a full elaborate like horror prank on us. Like they. They were like messing around with a Ouija board earlier in the night and pretending it was doing weird things. And then they had like a guy dressed in like this crazy kind of like Michael Myers esque thing, like walking around outside, like in the in the it was a snowy. We were in a cabin. I remember he like walked around. And then they had someone on the roof like pulling chains along the roof. Like so, you just heard like Shh. and they had this whole backstory of this murderer guy. Um, they got us pretty good. There was kids really scared uh, of what was going on, and and there was like six or seven guys in on it. Um, oh, so I, I remember That's being a whole team effect. I remember being pretty scared, but catching on somewhat earlier than some of the other people. So once you're in on it, it uh, it really it really gets pretty fun. But uh, we used to me and my friends in high school and into college. We used to for some reason we stole this giant like 50 pound ceramic goose <laughs> like it would be on someone's lawn and it just became a game of where you can get that goose on a person's thing like in their car or in their bed i remember we 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 snuck into someone's house tucked it in their bed i remember one time we got like cottage cheese and made like a little poop trail up the person's driveway and the goose was just sitting on the uh you know, on their doorstep, we hung it from a noose once. One time they got me, they put it like sticking out of the bushes in my parents' house, and my mom like pulled in and was like, Oh, what is it? Like, she thought it was some kind of animal staring at her and she wouldn't get out of the car. Um, I don't know. I remember my history teacher, who was my soccer coach, we, as a prank for the end of the season, we saran wrapped his car <laughs> completely. And just so happened, the principal was his neighbor and watched us do it. And the next morning, he called us to his office, and he's like, what'd you guys do last night? And we're like, oh. And they're like, he's like, you do anything with goose. Yeah. He's like, you do anything with Saran Wrap? We're like, oh, boy. He's like, yeah, I watched the whole thing, you idiots. And like, he, he was, he was kind of cool. He's like, you guys don't ever get in trouble. Just don't do it again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of some of the things over, over the years. But those, those are a couple from my younger days that I remember. I remember we filled one kid's whole car with the um, uh, uh, paper shreddings from paper shredders. So it was filled to the top with that. That was always good. Someone, some kids went too far. They like put stuff in the in the vents of the car, like curry or something like that. And like the whole car stuff. Yeah. So I, I know like in like the NBA, like. They like to prank uh, some of the rookies by putting like popcorn in their car, but apparently, like one of them, they got the popcorn, but it was like a buttered popcorn, uh, and this dude had like a easy seven 
seven figure car. It's just <laughs> ruined. <laughs> the whole interior. thing was yeah. just ruined. Yeah, from the inside. Yeah, like I think. Listen, I don't think like super hazing is a great thing, but I think I think some nice fun pranks are 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 great for like team chemistry and things like that. Now it's like way over the t- too sensitive. Like, um, I think it's like a, a bond building thing in locker rooms and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I still remember Tim Tebow having to get the Friar Tuck haircut. Yes. You know, where he had to no. shave the bald spot in there and all. That's all good fun. Yeah. I remember the Mets had to, like, a lot of the rookie pitchers had to walk around, like, training camp with, like, Hello Kitty backpacks on and, and things like There's no harm in that. No, We're just too hypersensitive. No. It's the worst. Yeah. You're terrible. You know what? Red Wave. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> you, you kids will learn. Believe me. Yeah, but shocking. There was shocking. There was some states that went red, some states that went blue. We're stuck in the middle, and everyone's just going to hate each other yeah. for, for another four years or two. Yeah, years. we're going to keep on saying we know what to do, and then twenty years from now we'll be like, "Look what you did! Yeah. Look what you did!" The house will be red, and then in ten years it'll be blue, and then the same things will happen, and everybody will continue to hate each other for no reason. As we vote for people who we don't know from a hole in the head, so yeah, well, they make good commercials. Some of them. Ah, that's yes. what I'm like. You know what? I enjoyed that commercial. I'm going to give you power of the country. There you go. I remember years ago, I, I was going to make a smear campaign uh, video of you during election day, uh, but I never got the time to do it. I remember that was going to be something I was going to surprise you with. Uh, just wait for the bed in 2024, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, man, verbal shenanigans. It's going to be right there, or 2028, whenever we, we – listen, we just got three episodes in a row for you. No, just be happy with that. That's okay? right. Don't, don't be asking us for bets. Come on. Mike, anything you got before we uh, head on out of here? Yeah. Um, I have a small little story, you know, and so some may remember I think I told a story about a, about a year ago where um, we uh, we had the door open and a bird flew in the house yes. and my wife absolutely panicked and ran into the other room. It's like a little finch and I just shoot it out the door and and the reasoning why she panics is her grandma was this like super neurotic human being that installed in her head if a burp poops on you that you will get diseases and die. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's also let's not cast stones. I believe you were the person who was afraid of the fish uh, when you was it the fish when you were younger. Well, you could be talking about two stories. The fish is when we were fishing and my dad would be yelling at me because he, he wanted me to unhook the fish for the first time. And he yes. was screaming at me that I was going to get spiked by this fish. So I can never go fishing because I am petrified of taking the fish off. So I can't yeah. do that. Or you could be referring to the time there was a bat the in the bat, house. The bat, that's yeah. what it was. And yeah. I, I came out of the toilet, and my parents knew the bat was in the house, but they didn't want to tell me because they figured I'd be scared. So they were in the bedroom basically doing what parents do and behind a locked door. Whoa. I come out of the bathroom. I see something flying. I'm like, oh, the parakeet's out. Take a step. <laughs> Realize it's not the parakeet. 
and I'd start banging on the, <laughs> the my parents' bedroom door, and I'll just bark, just bark, just bark, just bark, just bark. So we uh, had that right there. Yeah, yeah. well, I can't even. I I can't met you. I I had a bat fly in a vacation home I was at, and me and my two cousins. I was petrified of that thing flying near me. Oh, absolutely. When I was in India, my my guys took me on a tour of like one of the bigger caves uh, in Hyderabad. And as like the tour's done, I just hear like and like hundreds of them and like a little glow of light went on to the side of the cave and there was like two hundred bats oh, there and I'm just I'm like, yo, we gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> I, I know you're used to this, but I'm not used to this and I don't want to find out what happens if somebody's like, Hey, let me throw a rock in there and see what happens. But, <laughs> it could have been like that Batman scene, dude, where like all the bats are flying around. Oh, it could have been cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could have played Morbius way better than that other dude. <laughs> Leno, Jared Leno. But, um, so, yeah, so Circle 2 a couple nights ago, you know, we're we're still a little warm. We're going to start getting our fall weather starting tomorrow down here in Georgia. But in any case, um, I had the door open, brought the dogs in. I heard some kind of fluttering noise in the house. And I'm looking around, and I don't see anything so i'm like all right maybe i'm just imagining maybe it's a tv go in the bedroom dogs are in there wife's in there all of a sudden blood curling scream Looked exactly like the bird from one year ago. I don't know if <laughs> magically it's like our friend has returned to us or whatever. Yeah. But there's a bird in the bedroom and also i think nothing of it. i'm laughing I'm, I'm like get the get out of the room honey and all i get the dogs out of the room the puppy is just like staring at it like what's this what's this are we ready to go or whatever but we get the puppy out of the room and i just we have a door in our bedroom to the outside i open it up i walked around the room bird flying to point <laughs> to point to point and eventually went out the window thought nothing of it you know, life is good. Then, like, after the wife came back and it's all good, she gets infatuated with all these what-if scenarios <laughs> from the bird in the house. First, she's infatuated with, oh, my God, what if Leia tried to jump and eat the bird? And I'm like, well, she would either miss or she would get the bird. There's really no in-between here. The bird's not going to take care of my 40 pound chocolate lab no that's all you can have then she starts going with oh my god what if it went we had the ceiling fan on and the bird would have got decapitated by the ceiling fan and i'm like well, <laughs> like we don't have like an industrial motor in the ceiling fan honey i'm pretty sure the bird would have just landed on the top of it and she just goes through these 20 <laughs> different what is where i get to the point i'm like Dear Lord, honey, it was a finch. Yeah. <laughs> nobody has died from a finch. If somebody died from a finch, they deserve to die because nobody dies from a finch. Okay? <laughs> so, no no return of, of, of the finch again? No, but like anytime I let out the dogs, like immediately as I open the door, close the door! <laughs> because she is just infatuated like the bird's coming back. Like I would 
I would love to see the little Finchie come back in and be, hi, guy, how's it going? How was the winter? Were you down in Florida or anything like that? But uh, wife is uh, worried that, uh, first, that she's going to die from the bird poop, and second, that somehow our dogs, our ceiling fans are going to kill this bird. So, Wait a minute here. <clears throat> there might be a, a falsity to your statement. Um, okay. Hold on. Hold on one second here, Mike. <laughs> a man kept one of the world's most dangerous birds on his farm. Then it killed him. Ooh. A well, Florida well, man was killed on it. Friday of what ornithologists say is the world's most dangerous bird. <clears throat> oh, see, never mind. This says it was a, a, a cassowary. The article, the headline said Finch. Oh, well. I mean, I did Google... <laughs> <laughs> I did Finch. Google man dies from Finch attack. <laughs> yeah, you showed something that was basically a cousin of the ostrich. Yeah, uh, that wasn't in my house. <laughs> <laughs> the man killed in a, bur- a bizarre attack early this year was world's deadliest bird. Suffered deep puncture wounds and slashing cuts from the animal sh- animal sharp talons that severed a major artery in his arm. All right, um, Scott, you have a choice. Killer bird or ferret? Where are you going? Uh, what do you mean? If if what am you're, I keeping? You're, your next pet. Like somebody's like you can live in this house, but you either got a killer bird or a ferret in your house. Well, knowing that the bird is a killer, I guess I got to go with the ferret. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. You could say killer anything: killer dog, killer horse, killer mule. I don't want any of any killers in the house. <laughs> You let me in there plenty of times and didn't complain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a pretty obvious question. Am I going to live with this murderous bird that hovers around? <laughs> if birds ever figured out how to kill humans... Well, can you let the bird out? No, it's murderous. <laughs> let it crap where it wants to crap. Yeah, I mean, if birds ever figured it out, they would be the most dangerous things ever because we can't keep up with them or fly. or Like, if they would just murder birds everywhere... Oof. That'd be a great conversation. Like the Air Force is like, I don't know what we do. We send up jets. They're everywhere. Yeah. We can't do anything. Like they're too small for jets to really handle that problem. <laughs> we don't have, I mean, we don't have like people who could fly around and shoot birds. So like they can murder and then just fly away and we're kind of screwed. Yeah. Maybe we can get like John Walsh to do an America's Most Wanted with like murder birds. Yeah, I mean, even when you shoot birds, right? You shoot one and the rest fly away. So if it's a if it's a coven or a flock of murder birds, how many can you kill? Yeah, you kill the one and like as one's flying away, it looks back and it points at his eye and it points at you and you're <laughs> like, oh, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm gone. Murder birds know me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not messing with no murder birds. I don't really like birds. So I like watching. I like seeing birds out in the wild. But I don't birds in people's houses. No, thank you. <laughs> like, all right, you, you win. You can win the two billion dollar lottery, but you got to have at least twenty birds in your house. All right. Well, I mean, I think I might have the twenty birds if I'm getting two billion dollars. I mean, I feel like I could build well, after taxes. You only get one billion. Don't be greedy. Now. All right. I feel like with that one billion, I could build them their own little murder bird sanctuary <laughs> somewhere else in the house. Um, <laughs> I think I can make. What's this door? No, Dad, no! (laughs) Don't don't open that! Um, 
Yeah. I paid security to stay by that door. <laughs> it specifically says murder birds do not open. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I can figure out a way a way for that. But yeah, the guy had a friend who had a bird and you'd go there and they'd be like, oh, let's let it out. It would fly all up near your face and then it would, it would take him like an hour to get him back in the cage. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. But anyway, Mike, let's get out of here. Anything to promote before we roll? Well, you know what, Scott? I'm not going to degrade all birds because I'm going to talk about Sky Falconry. Yes. <laughs> Sky Falconry, Southern California's premier federally licensed falconry school, invites you to experience flying a trained bird of prey to your glove and learn about one of the world's oldest hunting traditions in this pristine setting of San Diego and the mountains of the Alpine. We had them on the show before. They were great people. I have friends in San Diego. I am. I told my wife, if we're going there, and I know you're going to bring me to Disney, so you owe me, we're going to Sky Falconry. <laughs> and if that sounds like an amazing event, they're not murder birds. Those don't be scared. I say you call them up at 619-722-0092 or go to skyfalconry.com. How do you think Danny Glover's doing? The verbal shenanigans bird. Oh, he's just chilling, no. living the life. I'm I'm sure he's got his own wing, no pun intended, where yeah. like people just go in there and it's part of the tour. And, and this is the famous verbal shenanigans falcon Danny Glover. <laughs> They're like, oh, I heard about that. Yeah, Danny Glover, the verbal shenanigans bird. Um, I <laughs> Okay, we're getting off the rails here yet again. Um, is that a real thing? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh, I, I may have announced it last week, but they are official now. Uh, two more huge shows at Tap House 15 coming up in January and February. January 5th, we have the very funny Aaron Berg. Um, I'll be there with Joe Conti opening up for Aaron Berg. Uh, so we're bringing in some much bigger names here at Tap House. And then on... Uh, Thursday, February 16th, the very funny. You've seen her on Netflix. You've seen her. Uh, she was on Rogan recently. Uh, Jessica Kirsten, one of the funniest comics um, out there in the game. So I'm very excited for that. So go make your reservations. You get three three course meal and a show. So it is a very good time. And we're just upping the up in the game there at, at Tap House. And we've been there for quite a long time now. So um, it's one of the longest running shows, I think, probably in, in, in New Jersey. So... Other than that, guys, uh, please keep subscribing, listening to us. Uh, we got some really good guests coming up. We'll try to make it a month straight of uh, of episodes next week. We'll see what happens. Uh, you never know. Murder birds get in the way. Um, children get in the way. So that's it, guys. Life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the win at your back. And if you love this episode, go tell us. Go to grinder.com forward slash Ukraine hog.